Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. It's lovely to be here this morning. Annie and I have just been looking forward to, uh, to being together with you. I noticed there are some faces uh, I don't remember, either because my memory is fading or because I haven't met you. Uh, there have been new people in the church since we were here. Um, I hope we get a chance to at least say hello before we go home. Uh, This morning, uh, Annie, Pastor Annie, Annie, Annie to me, so uh, she came in, she stayed up here last night at Benign and Charlotte's house looking after their other child, the furry one, and and I drove up from Naruma this morning, uh, just had a great time on the road, just talking to the Lord and speaking in tongues, which is something we should remember to do from time to time. And uh, came in here and I thought, this place looks fabulous. Came into the service, listened to the team leaders, the welcomers at the door, the friendliness of all of you, and thought, this really is like home for us. So it still is home. And so uh, to be here with you this morning is a great privilege. And I don't want to waste uh, any time. But I was, I was thrilled to hear Jenny give that announcement for the parenting thing. I thought, what a great initiative that is. I was thinking if they'd had that sort of that sort of program running when when we were starting to parent our kids, our kids might have turned out completely differently. <laughs> but it's possible. Um, but I want I want to uh, encourage you too that honour, and you're always very honouring to us, and I. You know, our, my generation, our generation grew up, you didn't get a lot of honour, you got more scolding than honour. And so it's sometimes harder for older people to work with the honour culture. I love about this church that there is a tremendous sense of honour. And I was thinking about it this morning, thinking, you know, I've got to keep working on the idea of receiving honour from people that want to express honour. And I think beyond this life, And I think about heaven, and I was thinking this morning, just as I was driving up, I was thinking every believer has no gap between Jesus and them. You you never have to call Jesus to your side. Because Jesus said, I will come and, and I and the Father will come and make our dwelling, our tent, our abode, our tabernacle inside of you. And so Jesus is in you. He is in the believer. In fact, I believe he's in everything that has life. But this, I've got to talk on pillars in a minute. I'm just giving you a little bit. But, but he's in you. You cannot separate from him. And I thought about when we go to be with the Lord, when we walk into heaven, whatever that picture is in your mind, if it's walking through gates or being sort of zoomed down into a celestial city or up into a celestial city, whatever the picture that you use to understand the concept of entering heaven, I want you to think about this. When you arrive there, for the final time, when you go there forever to be with the Lord, 
When you come home, as it were, Jesus comes home too. Because a part of him is here, not there. So when, he en- when you enter the city, every one of you, every believer, will be honoured by the residents of the city. Partly because Jesus is coming home. And partly because the culture of the kingdom is honour. So if the angels stop as you enter, even bow, that is not worship. You're not being worshipped, you're being honoured. And when the sons and daughters, when the warriors, when those that have walked on the, on the streets of the earth and loved the Lord and lived by faith and overcome, when they come home, I want to tell you, with all my heart, I believe that uh, honour will be afforded to every single person here. Can you imagine it? Not because, like this morning, I guess because we pastored the church here and did this and that, but simply because you are a unique creature. You know what you are? You are a new creation. You have a song that the angels don't know the words to. That's what it says in Revelation. Only you can sing the song of the redeemed. So when you enter heaven, Jesus comes home in you. The angels and the beings of heaven and the great cloud of witnesses and the other creatures that exist and dwell there will stop and pay honour to you. I think we should pay honour to one another wherever we possibly can. I think anything that the Lord and the kingdom of heaven will honour, we should too. I think we should pay honour where honour is due, but the trouble is we make the adjudication of what we think is due honour. So why not just honour everybody? Why not honour everybody in your world, your parents, your friends, your your brothers and sisters? Why not just honour? And practice the culture that you and I will be living in for eternity. Learn it now while it's done by faith. So that there, it'll just be like every other day. So I honour you this morning. I honour the leaders of the house. I honour each one of you in the house. Your senior pastors that are down in Canberra at the moment doing whatever. We gave them a few ideas of what they could do down in Canberra. They're probably down there enjoying themselves. And I honour our time together. And therefore, I need to honour time, which is already running away. So I'll just cut. Look, I've got a a message on pillars. I don't think it's that good. (laughs) I know. I know. It rarely is that good. But Revelation chapter 3, we're going to read the same 
message, the same passage that Pastor Nat brought last week. I, I listened to his message. I don't see Pastor Nat and Karen here today, but I just want to say to them, in case they happen to listen to this message, that I was impressed by the message. I was encouraged by the message. And I was interested to know that Nat's children call him a butler and that, <laughs> and that his wife calls him short. But I want to say this. I want to say this, that to me, Nat, you are a man of great stature. <laughs> Father, we thank you this morning. I pray that the veil that we see between us and the kingdom of heaven would be so thin this morning that we would sense beings coming and going and our eyes of revelation would be enlightened to understand what you are saying to each one of us. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church at Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds... Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not and are not and lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will not go out from it anymore. And I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, pillars, speaking on pillars, this is the topic that I've been given. Speaking on pillars, we, if, if you just say the word pillar into your mind, into your picture, imagination, onto the screen of your thinking will come a concept of some sort of pillar. Pillars, of course, vary. Some are ornamental, some are plain, some are hidden. But pillars are designed by their very, the, the reason for their existence, they are designed to carry load. Yeah. Uh, most of them, most of them you could think of are designed to carry load. They're not all, always noticed. They're not always noticed. Sometimes they're just, there's much more obvious things in this room than pillars. There's, there's carpet and a stage and a... a lectern and musical instruments and fans and lights and good-looking preachers. But over here, <laughs> over here, over here are pillars. This is actually a pillar. It's not just a, a stone aperture set out from the wall to, 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 you know, give a pleasing look to make it more interesting. These, these are pillars, and these pillars are doing a job for us this morning. 
And I can speak with authority on those pillars, as many of you know, because we were here when we built these. We built the, I didn't lay the blocks, but what we did in those pillars was, the, the way we built this building was we, we laid the slab and then the bricklayers bricked the walls. So there was no roof, it was completely open. And then in order to get these pillars strong, we had to fill them with concrete. And that was done because we didn't have much money as a church in those days. And some of you are still uh, are remembering that because you were here with us at the time. And so we would, I remember a rainy day and I was on one of these pillars on this side and we had the ladder up and we were carrying buckets of concrete up the ladder. And you know, <laughs> no safety and health stuff. <laughs> we were just, you know, if you came to a working bee, we preached you were going to heaven. That was enough. <laughs> if something happened, it was part of the Lord's desire for your life. <laughs> so we would carry, I remember one day it was pouring with rain, carrying up concrete up a ladder on one of these pillars over here and pouring it down the throat of those pillars. I know that there's steel in them and I know they're full of concrete. And I know that there is a header course that runs, which is the top course of blocks. And it's a different sort of shape and it's got a U in it like this. And you fill that with concrete. So the pillars are tied together with steel and concrete that runs across the top. And that gives those pillars structural integrity. Now you don't notice them, but they're doing their job this morning for us. For that, we're very grateful. The, 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 the formation, the process of forming a pillar is not always appreciated, but when it's there and it's doing its job, we appreciate the finished product. We appreciate what it is designed by an engineer to do. It's holding the roof up. Some pillars, because of where they are placed, like these pillars, what we did, just to finish the story for any of the, that were interested in the building, we put the walls up, then the crane craned the timber trusses in, 15 metres across, the largest timber truss at the time that en engineers could put onto a building, 15 metres across. So the wooden trusses sit upon the structure, the the structural integrity of the pillars holding up the walls. And that's why you're safe this morning. Now, you don't need to appreciate that. I'm just telling you because I've been asked to speak on pillars. <laughs> if I wasn't asked to speak on pillars, I would never have told you that information. <laughs> now, I, I grew up in a, in a traditional church setting. And so... I was used to going to great cathedrals from time to time. I enjoyed the traditional uh, church setting and from time to time these great cathedrals I would visit like in St Andrew's Cathedral, St Mary's Cathedral. Always, always been interested in going. But I noticed with these cathedrals, and if you watch the replay of Prince Philip's funeral, you might see some of these. In these massive buildings are huge stone pillars, huge. And some of those, some, sometimes I used to think, why do they put them where they put them? Because they're always in the way. 
There are very few congregational people sitting in the middles down the skinny aisle and then everyone's trying to dodge a massive pillar to see around the side. Some pillars are designed to be in the way. The architect has them where he needs them to be, but they sometimes are in the way. And it's like that with pillars in the kingdom. There are pillars sometimes that God allows to rise up. People I'm talking about now, not stone objects. They get in the way of your well-meaning intentions. There are people that block you from going from where you are to where you want to go. Inside the kingdom of God, sometimes God puts a pillar in front of you. It's a person that stops you. I remember talking to somebody about their ministry and their future of their ministry, and they were saying to me, they're actually accusing me of wrecking their future ministry. It was only a young person, they were accusing me. And they say, you have destroyed the calling of God on my life by what you have done. All I did was say no to something, which you have to sometimes as a leader. They said, you have destroyed. I said, do you believe I have the power to stop the God destiny on your life? And I said, because if you do, you are either affording me way too much power or the God you serve is way too small. No man can stand in the way of what God has for you. Jesus places an importance on pillars, whether they're designed to hold great structure or be in the way or other things that pillars do. And he says to this church at Philadelphia, to the believers, if you will do one thing, if you will overcome, I will make you a pillar. Now, he could have said, I will make you a pope. He could have said, I will make you a a king or a prince, a pillar. But some, we've got to stop and understand that to Jesus, whatever this means, it's of great significance, of great worth, and is actually a reward, being a pillar. Well, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And it appears from this scripture, at least this is the way I take it, that the formation of a pillar, now I'm coming back to who you and I are, A formation of a pillar seems to be done through overcoming. To him who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. It's either will overcome and then somehow out the back he'll make us a pillar or more likely he'll make us a pillar as we learn to overcome. And if you learn to overcome, you can become a pillar. And this is not a special calling. Pastor Joel graciously this morning talked about us as being pillars. Well, it's not a calling of God for a unique individual or a unique couple. It's actually available to anybody who overcomes. So you can become a pillar if you want to be. Regardless of your background or your education or your understanding of scripture or how good you are on a platform. Makes no difference. You can become a pillar If you want to, all you have to do is overcome. All right. Now, I pulled out of of those verses just a couple of thoughts, four thoughts, actually. The first one, I love it. In the letters in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus presents himself with a characteristic at the beginning of the letter. In other words, the people that are reading that letter 
are supposed to be seeing him and what he is saying through the filter or the revelation of who he presents himself to be to them. So in this particular letter, part of the way he presents is, I, uh, I hold the keys of David. I open and no man can shut, and I shut and no man can open. In other words, he says, I hold the power. This is the first thing that you and I have to understand if we're going to become overcomers and therefore qualified to become pillars. It's an incredibly comforting thing that he refers to there in verse 7, that he is the one that opens passageways of his intention for our life and nobody can shut it. And in fact, he says to them later on, I have placed before you an open door. If Jesus places before you an open door, no man can shut it. On the other hand, if Jesus shuts a door, no man can open it. Now, just, just for time's sake, just go with the opening, Jesus opening a door. You and I have a choice to pursue the passageway that he has opened to us. We also have a choice not to pursue it. When Annie and I came down, Benaiah and Sam, our second son, was, were just little. We came into the town here to pastor a church because the Lord had told us we were going to do it. And not only had he told us prophetically that he was going to send us here, but he opened a door. We had a number of well-meaning friends that said, don't go there. Stay in Sydney. It's the fast lane. This is you've got your connections here. People are going places. If you go down there, you'll be forgotten forever. We literally had people advising us, don't do it. He placed a door in front of us, and we had a choice. He places a door in front of you, and you have a choice. Now, if you choose not to go through that door and down that passageway, will he still love you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> will you still be blessed? Yes. But there will be certain things in your life that will not come to pass, and other things will come to pass, but when we stand before Jesus, ultimately, and we talk about the, the seat of judgment, the seat of, I don't think there'll be many words. I think Jesus will simply look at us I think the, his eyes of fire will simply burn up every excuse, every reason, every, everything we blamed on. Some, it will just burn up the dross and it will go and then we will be left standing in the gaze of the one who had a plan. He will love us eternally. He will cuddle us and kiss us and whatever, he will dance with us. He will be with us forever and ever. But I believe there is a divine passage that the one who opens and shuts doors, that no man has any say over, there is a divine purpose in a life, every life. And if we walk with God and listen to God, and he tells you to do something <coughs> and looks a bit crazy, a bit hard, a bit... Um, uh, unpopular. If you are sure it's the Lord, can I recommend you do it? Yeah. Can I re recommend you go there? Yeah. 
Here's what he's saying to them. The second thing he's saying to this group is not just that he holds the authority, the keys of David, but he talks about how little power they have. I love this. Speaking to Pentecostal people. I love this. We were brought up with the whole Pentecostal thing being about Acts chapter 2, who's got the dunamis, who's got the power, who can have lightning flashing out of their hands, who's got the healing gift, you know, who can bring about a miracle. We love the power, but I love this passage here. And he says to this church, you have little power. And the next thing he says isn't, I'm going to amp it up. I'm going to give lightning flashing out of everything you do. He doesn't. He just says, you've got little power. And then doesn't address that issue except to say this, in your littleness of power, I want you to stay steadfast. We live in a culture where everybody who has the money, the sporting ability, the, the, the political power, the whatever it is, the educational uh, accolades, sort of gets the attention. But most of us, myself, I include in this, most of us are incredibly ordinary by the world standards. Most of us don't see ourselves as having much power. And Jesus is talking to a church and he says, I know you've got very little power. Hold on to what you have. Stay steadfast with it because I'm going to make you a pillar. I'm going to make you the most powerful thing in one sense in the temple. It'll be holding up the roof of the temple, but I know you've got little power and I'm not going to increase it. I am not going to increase your power because what you have is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Got to keep moving, but I want you to, want you to take that one on board. Pillars support the house. If I'm thinking about people who are pillars in my thinking in the kingdom of God, they do a number of things. They support the house... They hold, I think somebody's trying to get to the service by helicopter. <laughs> They've missed half the sermon. They need to land now. <laughs> they support the house. They cover the house. They support that which covers the house. Pillars form safety. Pillars form a place where you're out of the rain. You're out of you know, the beating sun. I think pillars in the church, pillars in the kingdom should be people that are safe to be around. And I think out of them comes this ability, this thing of it's safe when I'm with them. I think that's a God grace. I think that's, I don't think it's something you can command from anybody, but it's nice to think as we grow on and walk on with the Lord and we learn to overcome various things and our testimony grows it's nice to think that people come and hang around because they feel like there's safety when I'm with them. I grew up, as I said, in a, in a, a traditional church. It was an Anglican church. And I, I, I won't bore you with this story, but I'll just make mention of it for those that haven't heard. 
For some reason, when I was really little, my mum and my sisters and I went to this church and we were there having a good time and I was placed into the Sunday school and then for some reason, which I cannot remember, I was asked to leave the Sunday school. In fact, I remember when the minister came around to the front door and talked to my mum just out of earshot and said, he can't come back. The children's church will not have him back. I think probably because I knew more doctrine than them at five. That is the way I choose to remember that. <laughs> now, now they're, they're, they're <laughs> now they're, um, <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking something else. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if an escaped convict ran in here? <laughs> oh, that would be so good. Anyway, I was in this, um, I was in this church, and so a man came to the door one day, and I recognised him when he was speaking to my mum. I recognised him. He was the head of the choir. His name was Arthur Moat. Arthur Moat. And he ran the choir in the church. We had a big choir in that church. There were over 40 people in that choir. And it was a traditional choir, so everyone had robes and everything. And, you know, we marched in on Sunday morning in our robes, and it was all very important. And, and we sang, and he, he taught us how to sing. He taught us how to harmonise. He played an organ with those huge pipes on the wall, you know, the big, big organ sort of thing. And, and he would go up into this loft where he'd play. He'd play out there like something out of, you know, a horror movie or something. He was up, he was up there. And he was playing, and we're down here, and we're singing. And he, he somehow became to me a picture of a pillar in my life. And the reason was he formed a safe place for me to grow up. Yeah. I, think, I think pillars do that. I think they, 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 they form a safety for those that are coming in. I like to think they would. Psalm 27.10 says this, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. I've remembered that scripture all my life because I remember how in a number of times in my life I haven't fitted in. Or another way to say that is I've been rejected out of a group and the Lord has taken me up. There's also the issue of overcoming in the scripture to the, to the uh, Philadelphia church. And I guess I'll just say this, we have the power to overcome. We have enough power to overcome, no matter who we are. And Jesus will honor our stickability in times of great pressure. We must hold on, he says, to what he has given us. Don't let anyone steal it away. There was another person in that church that I grew up with, and she was a person that was steadfast. She was a person that was, she was a beautiful lady, but I didn't have much to do with her because she was an older lady, and she came every Sunday without fail. I don't remember a Sunday when she wasn't there in that church. She was totally blind, and she had a guide dog. And she would come, her name was Barbara, 
and she would come and she would sit in the same seat. She liked, you know, sitting in the same place and the, the, the people helping at the door would lead her to the place and her dog, beautifully behaved, would sit down. And I was too young to really question. I, if I was any younger, I would have asked the obvious questions. Why can't you see, you know? But I wasn't, I wasn't that young. I was old enough to know, keep your mouth shut and don't ask any embarrassing questions. But I wondered about it. How come she loves God, but she's totally blind? And how hard is that? And I was wondering, how, how does she get around at home, around the coffee table? And what does the dog do? And who picks up the dog poo and all that sort of... I, I, I used to think about this. This is, this is hard stuff. If anybody had a reason not to come and worship God in, in that church, Sunday by Sunday, it was Barbara. But somehow she was steadfast. Somehow she was unmovable. Somehow it was her pattern, her belief system, her way of worship. Somehow she thought, this is what I do to honour my God. And it made an impact on me. She, she won't know that probably at this stage unless the Lord replays part of this sermon to her, and I hope he doesn't. But, but th this, is, this is the fact that I was looking at these people who never really knew the impact they had on me. And here I am, decades later, remembering and honouring them for being pillars in the house. You don't have to be up on this thing to be a pillar in this church. There are other ways to express what Jesus has given you. Well, when Jesus called me uh, to... He called me when I was really young. All I wanted to be when I was really young was I wanted to teach the body of Christ. That's really all I wanted to do. I, I didn't have any more of an idea about it than that. I just knew I wanted to stand on a platform and help the body of Christ, to feed the body of Christ with the Bible. I don't know why. It was just the Lord. It must have been the Lord. No one told me that was a good career path. No one said there was money in it. N nobody said that people are going to honour you and, you know... No. I, I thought, because of the models I had, I thought at least I'd get one of those outfits. <laughs> but as the Lord would have it, I didn't. Ross got one of those outfits, but I didn't get one. Ross is more holy than me. So anyway, the Lord knew that he needed Ross and I in this church. And so, I, 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 and I was always confused. I was confused in the, in the early years, particularly when I was pastoring in Sydney. I was, I was confused about people that came in and they were really strong in service and they were dedicated and they were all, they were all the seen people. And then there were people that came in and would just sit there and seemingly they would do very little. And I developed a concept in my mind that there were two categories, that there were pillars and there were caterpillars. <laughs> that there were pillars who came in and held the structure. And there were caterpillars who crept in every Sunday and ate the leaves and, you know, and did all that and then crawled out. But I have changed my position on the theory of caterpillars. 
I have changed my position. You're the first ones to ever hear this. This is, I have repented from that position and I have changed to this position. That caterpillars, and I, I, I do a lot of gardening now. I've got time to do gardening. I'm enjoying gardening. I'm buying too much stuff off the internet to help with gardening. <laughs> Books, I've got, I've got hydroponic, I've got heat mats, I've got all sorts of things. Things I don't need and I'm still buying them. That's why we eat sausages and gruel every night. But, but this is what I think. This, let, me, let me draw the picture of a caterpillar for you. Because as a gardener, caterpillars are not my friend. All right. They start seemingly insignificant and vulnerable. They blend with their surroundings. They spend their days and energy eating and consuming the very leaves they stand on. They are seemingly freeloaders and vandals. <laughs> Caterpillars. Freeloaders and vandals. But at an appointed time, they seek change. They seek out a place to dwell for a season. Inside a cocoon, they spin for themselves. They appear dormant to all the onlookers. But inside, there are, they are in transformation. Their days of feeding on everything around them are now gone. There is a miraculous metamorphosis. A beautiful creature emerges through the struggle and effort. Behold, the butterfly. That was so, that should have been read at Prince Philip's funeral. That was so good. <laughs> uh. Here, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. All pillars in the house of God start out as caterpillars. We all seem to come into the kingdom very needy, needing a lot of healing, needing a lot of help, needing to be fed a lot. And instead of looking down on caterpillars, I think we ought to care for them, even if they're eating the very platform they're standing on. And sometimes if you're caring for people in the church, if you're part of the pastoral team or you run a, um, a connect group or whatever it is, sometimes it can feel like everything around you is just being eaten away. But remember, pillars start out as caterpillars. We need to nurture the caterpillars. You now, at some stage, if a caterpillar doesn't metamorphosize, squash it or invite a bird to church, The last one is this, identification. Identification. Coming out of that scripture in Revelation 3. What will be our lasting legacy? Now, overnight, we had the funeral of Prince Philip. Now, I haven't watched it. I was driving up from Naruma this morning. I haven't seen it. Maybe you'll see it this afternoon if you haven't already. And his legacy, and they, they outline his legacy and the fact that he, was, he did many things. In fact, in the last week, I've got to tell you, my opinion of him has changed because I just listened to all the bad press. But over the last week, I said to Annie yesterday, I repent from what I thought of him. I thought good riddance in the beginning, but now I think, no, he was quite a remarkable man. You know, you've got to give one another a chance to change your stance on things. Yeah. Give one another room yeah. to grow and develop. 
You might have always known Prince Philip. You might still think that he's something other than that. It doesn't matter. But his legacy is outlined on television and we can see it around the world. Everyone's talking about it. His lasting legacy. This week also, Carla Zampetti died. Now, if you're over 40, you probably know who Carla Zampetti is. You've heard her name. Some of you maybe even have bought a gown or an outfit that was designed by her. Carla Zampetti. Her legacy was fashion design. Andrew Peacock died this week. Andrew Peacock was twice the leader of the Liberal Party in Australia. And he has been an international diplomat. And I noted yesterday when I read one of the articles about him, his family, his children give him such a loving comment about what a great dad he was and how he was always there for them and all that sort of stuff. It was great. That's his legacy. Tommy Radonikus died this, oh no, not, he died a couple of weeks ago, I think, but his memorial was this week. Tommy Radonikus, you know, he was a footballer. And I heard a guy this week refer to him as the great man. Now, I don't know if Tommy Radonikus was a great man, but in this person's mind, he was. This is the legacy these people leave behind. But Jesus, I can't think of anywhere in the scripture. Maybe you could tell me later on if you like, but if you can think of something. Jesus doesn't refer to anything about legacies here for any of us. What he's talking about is our legacy somewhere else. If you do this and this, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. He talks about what our legacy will be. What will be our legacy identified in heaven? Because be well aware, people, there are no Australians in heaven. Partly because they're all sinners. No, there are no, <laughs> there are no Australians in heaven. But there's no tribe or nationality of any. There is only one group in heaven and they are citizens of the kingdom. Their passport is kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ being the principal, the king of that kingdom. <clears throat> and then he says, if you, if you do this, I've got five minutes left, if you do this, I will write on you the name of my God, Jesus says, the name of my God, the name of the new Jerusalem, <clears throat> the city that is in heaven, and my new name, which obviously we haven't heard yet. And by the way, who says God doesn't like tattoos? Anyone that's writing anything on me, isn't that a tattoo? Oh, gee, it's gone quiet in here. You're going, to be a, you're going to be a tattooed believer. You're going to have a number of names on you. Our son Sam has on his left arm the, the names of two of his three children. <laughs> I, I, I haven't finished the story. And so he's got, he's got his first girl's, her name is Leilani, beautiful girl, and he, he's got it tattooed on there with, with some sort of scroll and stuff. And then he's got his son, Archie, he's got him tattooed there. And his third child uh, just came along, 
How old is she, she now? Four? Yeah. Hang on, Leilani, Archie. Amali. Amali came up to her dad the other day and said, why isn't my name on your arm? He's got a little bit of space, so he's going to work her name in there and make sure that, that he is tattooed with their three names. Jesus said, I will write my name, the name of my God, the name of the new Jerusalem, and my new name on you. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out to the tattoo parlor this afternoon and <laughs> somehow do that, but I am suggesting that Jesus considers these three things incredibly important. I was gonna speak a little bit <clears throat> to those three, but I'm not going to now. Ran out of time. Been too hilariously funny. <laughs> but here's the thing. <clears throat> I was this morning, in our home in Naruma, we have, we're fortunate because we can actually see the sunrise come up over the horizon, over the ocean. So I was watching this morning and uh, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Some, some people just need the attention. <clears throat> now, now, I was watching, I was watching, we okay? I was watching the sunrise this morning. And one of the things that I think about when I watch the sunrise is that it appears like the sun, and the sun comes up over the horizon very quickly, like in just about 60 seconds. You see the beginning of it, and then suddenly it's there. I was thinking about it, but of course the sun isn't moving. We're moving. And I was talking to the Lord, and I was saying, God, here we are, a brand new day, on a planet that is hurtling towards its future. Because as I watch the sunrise, I know that I am shifting on the earth this way. I am spinning into my new day. I'm coming into an awareness of all that God has planned for me on this new day, and I'm hurtling towards it. Our future is coming to us all the time. We can make choices regarding each day. God doesn't make all the choices, but he gives options. And we make choices about who we are, about how we will be helpful to others, about how we, we will support, you know, the kingdom of God, the people in the kingdom, or the people in our community. We make choices all the time about the legacy we will give, whether or not we will care for our caterpillars or we will just despise them. We make choices to overcome, not to shrink back. Choices to hold our crown, not to yield it easily. We make choices about what our name will be in heaven, our legacy. We make choices about the tattoo that God's going to give us. I know I'm going to get into trouble by somebody for that. But the names that he will write on overcomers. We are hurtling towards Jesus. All things are being drawn back to the Father through him.
He is reconciling his entire creation back to the Father. We are hurtling towards our destiny. I just find great comfort in that. I like the idea that he has it in control. Do you? Do you like the idea that he has my life in control? No, your life in control. Whatever you're going through right now, hold on to your crown. Be steadfast. You might have little power. Jesus has enough to get the result he wants. There might be some doors opening up. Consider whether it's the Lord. No one can shut it. Something might have shut in your life. Well, it wasn't the Lord unless he, unless he opens it again for you. Make good choices. Be a pillar. Start as a caterpillar and grow into your destiny. Father, this morning we thank you. We've had a bit of fun. But thank you, Jesus. You hold the keys of David. You open and no man can shut and you shut and no man can open. And we have such little power. But you say that is enough to make pillars in the temple of our Father. Thank you for these precious people, Lord. I pray that as they go today, they would be blessed and that you would speak to them in ways that they understand. In Jesus' name, amen. No, don't want it back? Do I dismiss the crowd? Are you, are you going to feed them loaves and fishes before they go home? They're weary, I can look at them. No fish. They are, they, they are to go over there and have a cup of tea and fellowship. Yeah. God bless you people. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.